What's up, players? Welcome to episode number 12 of Ready Press Play, your weekly source for everything that's new and exciting in the world of video games. Every Friday on your favorite podcast service, we'll be discussing the top news of the week, notable releases on all platforms, what we're playing, big topics of the industry, and the games we love. If you want to write me anything to be read on the show, send us an email to readypressplay at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at readypressplay. No matter where you found us, please subscribe to the feed so you can get every new show directly to your device as soon as it posts. And if you like, please leave us a nice review. I'm your host, Louis Menchaca, and joining me today, as always, is my co-host, Mr. Daniel Lima. Hello, hello. All right, so before we get on to the show here, we have some housekeeping to do. Um, mostly on my part, it's mostly my, my bads here, uh, but... The first thing here that I used to see here that you put on the dock is you put a headline, uh, Sony reduces PSN download speeds for the U.S. Yes. Anything so you I, uh, I added this in here because we were talking about last week, uh, one of the news stories that we read was about how Sony was reducing the PSN download speed in Europe to um, kind of accommodate the, the high influx of, of people that, that were now using uh, more internet than they normally did and how that was kind of causing some bottlenecks on uh, Europe's internet infrastructure. So, and we mentioned, I actually think you might have been the one to mention, Lewis, that you were like, it's probably a matter of time till they do this in the yeah, US as well. <laughs> so I just wanted to bring it up as in, like, yep, and they did it. So that's oh, yeah. now and, in effect in the US as well. And it really was an inconvenience for me because I had to download an update of Fortnite and <laughs> I only get like one or two matches in because of the long, like, it was like a 40 minute. Uh, minutes to download one like 14 gigabyte file um, I ended up uh, switching over from Wi-Fi to wired and it didn't go any faster um, and I've always had a situation where my wired connection just blazes through downloads really really fast mm -hmm. um, but it is what it is you know? yeah I'm still not used to the whole like sort of like digital future where everything needs to be downloaded and you can't play games right away because so many times like I'll put a disc in and the expectation of like because because I do still have like quite a bit of physical games but then if you put a disc in and you're playing a game for the first time you can very rarely actually jump in and play the game nowadays because there's always like it's got to install data from the disc to the console and then it's got to download updates and whatnot and i don't want to go and play a broken game especially when so many games ship like with a lot of problems nowadays so i do want to get day like one the, day one, that, yeah. the day one patches and everything so i have I, like i said i'm still not used to it where sometimes i go like oh yeah i, I want to play this game today and then i'll Real, I totally forget that I really am only going to start playing like two hours after the time that I put the disc in. Yeah, true. So the other stuff that I added on the housekeeping was all was all my doing here. So there's a couple of things I wanted to apologize about. Uh, in case you didn't know, we report on Thursday nights uh, after we get off of work, and. By the time we were repeating like Broke Gamer's Guide and stuff last week, I was hella delirious. It was like one in the morning. And so I ended up uh, accidentally dropping on the dock um, the March 2019 uh, free games of the month, so I, I misread the wrong uh, free games. Like I think I said, The Witness and Call of Duty Remastered was going to be the free games, but that was not the that was not the case. It was actually going to be uh, the headliner was uh, let's see here the last uh, not the last no Shadow of the Colossus. I was about to say the Last Guardian. Uh, Shadow of the Colossus was the headliner with Sonic Forces and with the assist. So uh, up until this coming Tuesday, you can still download those free March games. And so correction. And then the other thing I wanted to mention is that I only spotlighted uh, $50 for Walmart uh, for the Doom Eternal. Um, it turns out uh, Animal Crossing is also $50 at, uh, at Walmart. Um, you can find it there. Um, I ended up picking up a copy of Animal Crossing. It's still in a shrink wrap. I'm going to leave it there. Um, I just wanted to have it for, for the sake you of having monster. it. You monster. How dare yeah. you? And I put out a Twitter. like I put out a tweet saying that I'm a fake Animal Crossing gamer, and I took a picture of all my Animal Crossing games. Uh, 
Yeah, so I um, one of the things, though, just in case um, for Demo Eternal, I only found it on the Xbox One when I was at my local Walmart. It appears that the PS4 copies were sold out, so there's that. And uh, last thing is, um, this is for a specific viewer, uh, of a listener, excuse me, a specific listener, and you know who you are. Yeah, he talked to me in person, IRL, and he was like, you monster, how could you not remember these other uh, Metroidvanias on the Switch? And I'm like, what? <laughs> He's like, well, first off, your Ori 1 is on the Switch, and then the other, the big, like, Castlevania Symphony of the Night, uh, like, Bloodstain is there, mm-hmm. you know? He's like... You're 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 such a fake Metroidvania gamer or something like that or whatever. <laughs> you know, so. I'm so I'm I'm sorry that you had to go through that, but in a way, I'm so glad that that happened because when you mentioned like, oh, like a Metroidvania on the Switch, and then I said like, no, I'm pretty sure there's a lot more, but I couldn't like I couldn't remember like which games were on the Switch that were also Metroidvanias because honestly, like I have nothing late. against yeah. the genre. I like the genre, but it's not like I'm pursuing those games all the time myself, so I have not played a lot of those. So. Um, well, he's uh, he's big on Metroidvanias, and so he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess I kind of offended his sensibilities. So <laughs> I know he's going to listen to this episode. He'll know. Uh, right. He listens every week. So. Um, well, thank so, you yeah. for listening, <laughs> mysterious listener. All right, all right. So um, let's go on to the games we're playing. So Dan, go first. Hit us up with what you got. Cool. So uh, I mentioned I think a few weeks ago that I started playing Call of Duty: Modern Warfare. Not the original Call of Duty Modern Warfare, not the remastered Call of Duty Modern Warfare, also not the remastered second Call of Duty Modern Warfare that just came out this week, but instead the Call of Duty Modern Warfare that came out in 2019. Um, That's not confusing at all. (laughs) Not confusing at all, uh, which is a reboot of the franchise. And I had not played a Call of Duty in honestly probably like over five years, really. And even then, I I, I would never play them that much. Um, And I went through this one. I played through the whole campaign so i finally finished the campaign this week it's not a very long campaign i'm just super slow to play games so feel free to make fun of me uh, for that as well but um i i had a couple hours to go and so i i wrapped that up this last week and i have to say i'm quite pleased i i didn't really expect to walk out of this game with uh, positive feelings uh towards it when i first picked it up because um i'm not that big of a shooter guy i'm just kind of not that big of a first person guy in general too and especially i'm not a big call of duty guy but i i was just kind of like in an itch to play something different i play so many like third person action adventure like games like you know spider-man and assassin's creeds and thing in tomb raider and things like that and i was like you know what i want to do something a little different and i want to see what call of duty has been up to all these years and i have to say the campaign was like really well done the production value was really high there were a lot of like interesting things throughout it too that made it feel very like um, like the, the, the flow of the game felt very good. It wasn't like you were just like running and shooting all the time. There were a lot of like highs and lows into what you were doing in the game. Um, there were some unusual segments where you didn't even have to, uh, where it wasn't even a shooter for a short period of time. You had to like um, get somewhere or like help somebody. There's, there's this one part where you're trying to help this woman escape a situation that she's in without getting killed. So you're basically just giving her instructions from afar as she's doing it. Uh, there are times where you're controlling drones and you're using these drones to like um, basically fly into enemy helicopters and airplanes and things like that and then make them like destroy them that way. And uh, there's a lot of like uniqueness to the campaign and the story. I have to say, like, I'm not like super impressed with the story. Uh, it, I know that you, something you mentioned when I first said that I was playing this game is oh, it's cool that they kind of made a story with that's a little bit more morally gray. And it is a little bit more morally morally gray for sure. There's like. There's times where, you know, the people that are the good guys are doing things that you may question that 
did not make them seem as good as you would have otherwise. So it's kind of like a very interesting... Um, there, there's some aspects of this story that kind of feel like an anti-hero story to an extent, where like some of the heroes are not as um, kind of clean as you would like expect them to be. Um, but I actually think that fits um, like a game about the military like pretty well and interestingly. And I, I just wish they would have committed a little bit more to it because I feel like ultimately there wasn't that much of a payoff to that. Um, so I think I think it's a great game. I think it was like a good return to uh, to Call of Duty. I think it's a good reboot for the franchise as well. And after playing that, I after finishing the campaign, I didn't really jump into like regular multiplayer, but I went to check out Warzone, which is the battle royale um, mode for this game. And which is now the current hotness. Yes. So there's something that's interesting about this is that the first thing is that I'm not sure if this is also the case for Fortnite, but I, I think Fortnite defaults you to the solo plays, or at least used to. I always played it solo, but this this mode defaults you to squads, and I actually had to like it took me a little bit to figure out how to play solo because I, I didn't want to play squads. Um, but it feels very battle royale for the most part. Like you start in a plane, you get dropped into this island, and then you go around. The map is really big. There's 150 players instead of 100. Um, so from a technical standpoint, it's pretty cool that they were able to support like that many players into an island in a server. Yeah. Yeah, and the the game. It's fun to play, like feels good. They have like a ping system as well. Um, I know we were talking about this a few weeks ago, um, how like Apex Legends was like was the first one to do it. And they do have this thing, which I think you also talked about when we first mentioned it, which is like when you get this battle royale, this is the first battle royale that I've seen where the game doesn't end when you get killed. Um, because when you get killed, um, you are sent to this prison and then you get to fight one other person in the prison, which is one other player that also died. And if you get to kill them, then you get you drop back into the into the game. So you basically have that one chance of getting dropped into the, back into the game. Uh, aside from that, if you're playing squads, your squad mates are also able to bring you back from the dead. So if they gather enough like resources or whatever, they're able to like buy your life back effectively and bring you back into the game. So I think it's pretty unique. Like I I like that instead of just being like, well, let's just make this like Call of Duty Battle Royale. They actually made some conscious choices to like, okay, how can we make this feel a little bit different? How can we make this unique? Uh, and I feel like it's ultimately fun. I'm probably not really going to be playing it that much anymore just because that's who I am. <laughs> I'm just probably going to move on to something else. And uh, I think it still doesn't feel as uh, approachable as Fortnite and as like easy to pick up and play as Fortnite. Um, but I think it's a great option for people that are into Call of Duty or into first-person shooters that want to play a battle royale and that are not satisfied with uh, like the other options in the market. So I, I don't know. I hope they do well with it. I think it's uh it's not just a uh, sloppy, like here's a battle royale mode. I think it, it looks like they actually put some design effort into it. Um, so I appreciate it for that. It's free to download, right? Yes. The battle royale mode is standalone and free to download. Mm, nice. Because like one of the things that I could have, I could have just seen them doing is like, they would just Activision it and just put it in as like a, a mode in like Modern Warfare 19, you know, uh-huh. um, that would have sucked. <laughs> like, it's like, I know you have to have the actual base game or something. Like yeah, that. I think that might have been because they, they did this with the previous Call of Duty. They did this with the Black Ops 4 it had a yeah. mode called Blackout, yes. uh, which I didn't own that game and I didn't play that game at all, um, including the Battle Royale mode. But I'm pretty sure that's more of what you were describing where that was just a mode in the game and that probably worked against them, I would assume. Yeah. 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 All right, cool. All right, well, uh, I've been playing a lot. 
I've been here like in the house a lot, and um, I held I withheld uh, these games, uh, these series of games here uh, from last week's discussion because I knew we were going to be going big on time because uh, of how much news we had to cover. So I'm going to get into it. So I I've been going mod crazy with my uh, with my Smash Brothers and my <laughs> my um, my drive to co- collect every single Smash Brothers game under the sun. Um, so. There was a a, uh, a mod that came out like years ago, a long time ago. It was called uh, Project M, which the M stood for yes. melee, but now it's now it's called. I think it's just probably goes by mod because they didn't want to have any trademark issues, so it's like Project Mod. Uh, so Project M, PM for short. It was a long-lasting uh, game that, like, for for a very small window, was the most popular uh, Smash game, more popular than Brawl and more popular than Melee because you basically got the two communities reuniting together for it. You know, it's had all the viewership, it had all the players, the number of entrants, the scene was was booming. But then because of like copyright issues and playing a mod and streaming it and um, on tournaments and stuff, uh, Nintendo basically lawyered up and shut it down. And so the community was never the same. And then the mod team that was actually making the mod, they ceased development altogether. Um, Mm-hmm. So that kind of basically pretty much in one fell swoop kind of killed the, the scene. And uh, the Project M uh, team that, that created the mod, they actually stuck together and created a, uh, a game. And it's actually out right now for the Switch. I don't oh, know really? if you've uh, heard of it. It's like a Smash clone. Yeah. Um, so it came out before Smash Ultimate. Like, but they beat it They beat it to market for about a, a, almost a year. Uh, and I can't remember the name of the game. I'm going to try to Google it right now. But uh, either which way, it was basically a uh, it was a game that was uh, basically like melee on the Switch, and it was um, uh, it was just completely like new characters, like original characters, so like mm-hmm. a generic sword character or whatever, you know, like that kind of stuff. They yeah. basically try to create uh, that game, but in on the Switch and stuff, and so it's good for them. Uh, the game uh, had m- numerous updates. It's the latest update was at 3.6. There was going to be a version 4.0 that was going to add other characters like Knuckles and uh, Isaac. And uh, the the game was in was in like a early development build that you can watch like 4.0 footage on YouTube if you want to look it up. But uh, ultimately, PM um, it didn't die. It just kind of sort of well, I mean, it did die, but it got resurrected by two other development teams. There was a team that called Project Legacy. They picked up the where it left off and they made two versions of the mods called project legacy te which is tournament edition and project Le- uh, legacy xp which i don't know what that means but basically it's more casual focused it has uh, other newcomers like like ridley and like a wizard ganondorf and all these other characters that just weren't in uh, npm and then after that um well let me just say like with legacy xp there's a lot more ca- it's more casual focused so you can like have characters fly around and float and levitate and do all these crazy combo stuff while legacy is more like uh uh tournament focused and it's very uh less buggy um and it's more uh like strict on the rule set kind of thing um uh legacy xp and te got disbanded uh, last month at the beginning of march and they put out a post saying you know deuces basically and they put out like a letter to the community and then like not even a month has gone by and then another team resurrects that that project and they put out (laughs) project plus and so project plus is the current uh the current build and it's uh, um, basically they had they added knuckles they basically wanted to finish what pm left off and it's pretty cool uh, i've seen uh, melee players play project plus and they like knuckles so it's cool uh, he can do push-ups for his taunts and uh, and he can glide with a side b and he can burrow and everything he's pretty cool and my last thing here and this is like another it's a mod of a mod 
It's called Project Remix, and it's a mod of Project M. And it's uh, the best one, I think, out of all of them is because it has the most characters. It has a huge roster of ultimate characters like Little Mac and Simon and as well as Ollie and Joker and all these other characters like Under the Sun and um, including like Sonic and Shadow and Tails and Knuckles and Metal Sonic and pretty much every character you can think of, they're in there, including like Geno and Toad and uh, oh, wow. all these other characters. It's crazy. I love it. And I want to play more of it. Um, and so there, was, that's my Project Mods, uh, Project M stories. It's a, it's a mod of Brawl. You have to have an SD card. You have to have Brawl, in, uh, the disc, inside the Wii in order for it to work. Mm. At this point, we might as well just start a new segment and call it Smash Watch or something. Like that. <laughs> I think that's that... it. I think I'm ran, I ran out of Smash content. <laughs> I covered okay. everything. So, um, But the last thing here, just uh, before we move on, is I played Ori 2, and uh, I'm about 11 hours into the game, uh, around the nine-hour mark. I, I reached the one-third mark, uh, which is a huge story point. And I'm not going to give any spoilers, but I, I, I cried. So, oh, really? Yeah, twice, actually. Um, there was a, a, a story beat that you can miss as a player, and, and even if you don't miss it, it's not obvious. They don't tell you, you know, they just show you, and then it's mm. like... Like if you were a kid, if you're a younger kid, you played it, you may not notice it. It'll completely go over your head. But um, as an adult, you would kind of, you know, see that moment and just, um, I, yeah, it's a lot to process. Like when I saw that moment that I'm talking about, I had to like literally just like drop the controller out of my hands and just let my character stand still just to absorb what just happened. Like it was, oh, wow. uh, I had to process it and just kind of like sort of, uh, yeah, it was a lot. It was just... I can't. I I, I want to see this game through, and it was. It, it it really hurts. It hurts so good. It sounds like these games are right up my alley. I definitely need to uh, catch up on them. Maybe I'll get the first Ori on Switch and then play through that, and then maybe I'll play Ori two on PC or something. By all means, um, I hope I hope Ori one is optimized so it doesn't have like the 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 jitters that was on the Xbox One. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, uh, I just um, I really do like the game, and uh, I've. Uh, I, I'm, I'm playing the game without a, without a, a guide or looking up anything. Um, I did have to like look up something, but it turns out I was already doing it right. So I was, I felt a little bad. There's a segment where you have to stealth around and you can get like instant killed if you don't, uh, stealth correctly. And mm. I thought I needed a power up or uh, an ability that I didn't have, but it turns out I was mistaken. I was, I was set to go. I just didn't know how to properly hide. So yeah. Okay. Makes sense. So let's, uh, let's move on now. It's time. Coronavirus Watch, and this is how I like it. Coronavirus Watch, I want this segment to be as short as possible. So, um, All right. let's uh, let's go ahead and um, get on with the first story. Their headliner, the top story of the week: The Last of Us Two delayed indefinitely. And this, I called from... it. <laughs> Do you Before work for you Verizon? Because you called it. <laughs> oh no! But I I uh, I just want to sorry for interrupting, but I just want to take a moment to say that. Oh, a couple weeks ago. I didn't. I, mean, I don't remember if I specifically called this one, but I said something along the lines of, as studios transfer to work from home and as these things are going on, I bet that every game, like that that was my, at least my, what I remember saying, or definitely what I was thinking then, that I, I, and I still maintain this, which I think that every game that has not come out yet this year, or it's not gone gold yet, will be delayed. Because... Well, but. I called it first because I was the one that said that this will be the year of the delay of delays on the you're on the right prediction. you're right and as each week goes by the more it validates those that prediction of yours from the beginning of the year so yeah. good job on that one but please read the story no well I also wanted to say that um, 
uh, March or May 29th would have been a jam-packed day in gaming because we would have had The Last of Us as well as the Xenoblade Chronicles on the Switch as mm-hmm. well as the the three ports on the Switch as well with the uh, Borderlands Collection, Bioshock Collection, and uh, XCOM 2. Now so. that explains. I, I bet that Naughty Dog saw Xenoblade Chronicles coming out that day and was like, "No, we can't. We can't compete with Xenoblade Chronicles." <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, obviously, also, I'm being fastidious in here. Uh, yeah, go yeah, ahead. Yeah. All right, here we go. This article comes from Kotaku, written by Mr. Jason Schreier. Uh, the much anticipated post-apocalyptic adventure game The Last of Us 2 will be delayed indefinitely due to the coronavirus pandemic, publisher Sony said today. Uh, and this is coming from their Twitter. Um, this is from the at PlayStation Twitter account update. SIE has made the difficult decision to delay the launch of The Last of Us Part 2 and Marvel's Iron Man VR until further notice. Logistically, the global crisis is preventing us from providing the launch experience our players deserve. The game, which has had been previously scheduled for May 29th, is nearly done and ready to go, a Naughty Dog developer told Kotaku this afternoon. This was a decision made for logistical and economic reasons. The good news, uh, open quote, the good news is we're nearly done with development on The Last of Us Part Two. Naughty Dog said in a statement this afternoon. However, even with us finishing the game, we were faced with the reality that due to logistic- logistics beyond our control, we couldn't launch The Last of Us Part Two to our satisfaction. We want to make sure everyone gets to play The Last of Us Part Two around the same time, ensuring that we're doing everything possible to preserve the best experience for everyone. This meant delaying the game until such a time where we can solve these logistics issues. Close quote. So uh, do you want to say anything about this or what are your thoughts? Yeah, the, the reasoning that they gave is very interesting because it almost comes across like it has nothing to do with the development of the game itself. Because... My uh, my expectation at seeing the headline, and I, I I had not had time to like look too deeply into it. I did I did read one of the statements, but it was a different statement, and I thought that it was like, well, you know, everybody transfers to working from home. There's potentially a, a fall in productivity. Maybe their QA processes now like are are more difficult, or et cetera. And and then suddenly, you know, what would take what would they could foreseeably do in a month in the or like two months or whatever in the studio? Maybe it's not going to take three months or something along those lines. So. I thought that was more of the reasoning, but based on what they said, and granted, this could be marketing speak, it could be a little bit of both. Um, it kind of sounds like it's more in regards to the, the delivery of the game, meaning the like physical distribution of the game um, that could be bottlenecked by um, all the effects of the virus as well. Um, so I don't know. It was, did you get that impression as well, Louis? Yeah, that's what I got. It basically sounds like if the game gone gold, um, if it could be going gold on like on time, there's no way for like like the quote logistical uh, things like they're gonna be able to print the game and manufacture it and ship it out worldwide. You know, because they're gonna mm-hmm. do like a worldwide release, they need to make sure that all these territories are operating. And not to mention like even like games like GameStop, they may be closed, and uh, and also Walmart and Amazon, they may only want to prioritize getting like essential goods like uh, toilet paper, mm-hmm. hand sanitizers, food. Uh, like things that are that, that really matter and just getting inventories of games is really not on the priority list so it doesn't seem like the world is kind of um, you know needs it and not to mention like just seeing like the fact that PS Plus, uh, PlayStation Network like their games are downloading slower like just trying to have everyone try to switch over to 100% go digital for this game would just completely like probably like make the network go down 
I mean, honestly, not to shit on the PSN or something, but knowing the PSN, it would most likely make the network go down when this game came out. You know <laughs> well, what yeah, I, mean? I was like, trying to say it in a political manner, like a political <laughs> correct statement. Uh, but yeah. Um, so yeah, I just I think that it was it's just a smart play because the game um, has like a, is going to have a physical release and uh, all these GameStop uh, GameStops have pre-orders on it. I'm pretty sure like I heard that there was like a deluxe edition with like an Ellie backpack or something like that. So mm-hmm. uh, uh, these special editions they need to also have, be uh, there day and date with everyone else to to launch. So you can't if you can't put the product out there, then just simply just delay it until the uh, the coronavirus situation is over like once uh, yeah. the world is back to normal then we can just start uh, resuming you know operations and business as usual and then maybe just maybe we can have like all these triple a games come out within a month of each other yeah well i i think it's possible that we'll see something like that i mean and and potentially we're going to get to see better games as well um I, I am a little bit disappointed about this, of course, because, you know, May, May 24th is my birthday and I was kind of looking forward to the idea of playing this game like a week after my birthday. And it's also, you know, this game, this year in games has been a good year for me to catch up on my backlog because there isn't really a lot coming out in general, but also not a lot that appeals to me. And The Last of Us was kind of that first like big tenpole title of the year that was pretty much like, that's my game this year. Um so the fact that I'm going to have to wait now probably for the until like the second half of the year or so to play it is a little bit disappointing. But at the same time, it's the circ- like it makes total sense with the circumstances. And I was already kind of expecting that that was probably going to happen. And I'll repeat what I said earlier, which is it, it may not be true for every game, but the vast majority of the big AAA games that are coming out this year are probably going to get delayed, even if it's just like a one month delay or something, because this situation is going to be affecting them in some way, whether it's productivity, whether it's uh, their relationship with their external partners, whether it's distribution, uh, whether it's, you know, even um, finances, you know, with the stock market crashing and everything. So I I fully expect games like um, Cyberpunk and uh avengers and everything else that's coming out this year to potentially be the late as well and also granted this doesn't come from any kind of insider information or anything it's purely just i feel like common the circumstances sense. Yeah. yeah i feel like it's kind of common sense at this point i think final fantasy 7 is going to come out when it's expected because that's probably already even shipped um like i mean that's that's already like on the way to the to the stores where it's going to be distributed at this point uh, but pretty much everything a- after that i think it's fair game to be the late well, there's a there's a lot still uh, to dissect on this topic before we move on. Like, uh, they didn't mention anything about Ghost of Tsushima, and uh, that's right. That's a, there's a possibility that that um, could also get delayed if uh, if this uh, quarantine things continues on uh, longer than usual. And the second thing that we should hit on is the fact that uh, both this game and as well as Iron Man, which I know we buried the lead on Iron Man, <laughs> uh, uh, both these two games they don't have uh, their date. They, they are delayed indefinitely, which means that they don't even have a release date. So, yeah, uh, in theory, that doesn't—they didn't even promise 2020. So, um, it's that's it, true. It's possible 2021. I don't know if they want to. If the PS5 gets delayed and then they can have it as a launch title, I don't know. But I, I think that's. Uh, I mean, personally, I think that's highly unlikely. I think it's. I think they delayed it indefinitely just because they don't have a date yet, and they don't want to have to delay it again. I mean, they've already delayed uh, the Last of Us twice, and. I think it would look bad if they gave another date and then couldn't hit it. That's kind of how I feel about the new GDC date as well. I find it weird that they're putting it out there when they might have, as far as I know, they could very well have to cancel it again. Um, So I think they're like, you know, let's play it safe. Let's not give anybody any date. But I think they're still probably planning to release the game in the, like, kind of 
immediate future, you know, mm-hmm. with, like within okay. a couple months of the release date, but you never know. All right. Earlier we mentioned Final Fantasy VII, so let's segue into the next, <laughs> uh, the next uh, topic here. Final Fantasy VII Remake shipping early amid COVID-19 disruption. This comes from GameIndustry.biz. Uh, James Batchelor wrote this story. Uh, Square Enix reveals European and Australian players may receive the game sooner than April 10th launch. In an unusual move, Square Enix has decided to ship Final Fantasy VII Remake earlier than planned in select regions. A statement released via Twitter attributes the decision to the disruption caused by COVID-19, which producer Yoshinori uh, Kitase and director Tetsuya Nomura say has, quote, made it very difficult to align timing of our global shipping, close quote. The game is due to launch on April 10th, and the company uh, had previously warned that delivery, uh, may, delivery may be delayed due to logistical problems caused by the virus. But in an effort to avoid that, Square Enix has decided to ship the game far off, uh, ship the game far earlier than usual to Europe and Australia. Players who pre-ordered uh, in these regions may have now received their copy before April 10th. The publisher remains optimistic that the game will reach other Western regions in time for its intended launch, although it cannot provide specific delivery dates. So, uh, yeah, Dan, uh, I've already seen it on Twitter myself. There's a lot Mm. of, there's some players from Australia who've already got the game and they showed a picture of it in hand and they, uh, the person that they, that was, whose Twitter blew up, uh, blew up. They said, I'm not going to put any spoilers. I know I'm going to wait for everyone to have the game. So it's pretty much already out there. Um, Mm. Sounds like some people are are not being assholes about it. So that's definitely good. Yeah, for sure. And I've been seeing the tweets uh, pop into my feed as well. And uh, this is kind of like an interesting scenario too. It kind of contracts with the previous news story uh, in an interesting way, which is that that was kind of the negative side, like games getting delayed because of the logistical problems. This is sort of your best case scenario where you get a game a week early because of the logistical problems. Um, so I maintain that you know Final Fantasy VII. This game has probably been like hit gold and gotten ready to ship, like right before everything started going down in a significant way. Um, so they're they're right at that line where they were able to ship the game and distribute the game, and they're even getting the game out to people earlier. I'm sure GameStop being closed and other places being closed are going to affect their sales negatively to some extent, which kind of sucks. Um, I'm sure they're not happy about that, but that's also going to be... I feel like that's going to be the only... I, I don't remember what else is coming out in between, like, Final Fantasy and, and and Last of Us, but I feel like this is going to be the only big new AAA game for a while. Um, Imagine until... like everything else good for the rest of the year just gets delayed and doesn't get released, and then Final Fantasy VII is going to be the game of the year by default. Yeah. <laughs> that would be cool. I actually saw a funny joke about that recently because of all the movies that are getting delayed. They were like, well, if this keeps happening, and sorry, I don't know who tweeted this, so I'm kind of stealing your joke here, but um, if this keeps happening, Bad Boys for Life is probably going to be the best picture of this uh, yeah, year. No, I said that. I saw that. I saw that as well. Uh, <laughs> it's definitely the number one movie in the world right now uh, for box office. Um, that is 100% a true statement. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it could win the Oscar for Best Picture too while it's at it. You know? <laughs> Let's see. I, I think it's more likely that they would like delay the Oscars or something. <laughs> <laughs> Either that or like the Oscars will probably like, uh, you know, remove the stick out their ass and, you know, allow movies that go to VOD like Netflix be allowed. That's true. Because uh, the rule is the movie has to be in theaters in order for it to qualify for a nomination. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Netflix, their Netflix movies, they, they actually did release them in New York and L.A., which is the minimum qualification. So now if movies come straight to Netflix or straight to Amazon Prime because of the uh, coronavirus, then maybe we can still see the nominations of a streaming-only movie. 
But anyways, that's neither here nor there. This is a gaming podcast. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to say uh, one other thing is that um, the G- GameStop uh, broke street date on uh, Doom Eternal by a day in order for uh, people to stagger the crowds. And um, and I know that there was a story about how Amazon is only uh, receiving shipments of essential goods. So if you had pre-ordered the game on, on Amazon, uh, then you it was in danger of you not getting the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's uh, it's interesting that they're trying to coordinate this and um, having a global launch of a product like this isn't going to be easy to pull off. So it's better to be safe than sorry and just kind of like just, you know, push out your and break your own street date and just, you know, have it launch in, just in general. I think that's probably yeah. the better the better play here. Yeah, that's true. All right. So uh, let's uh, move on. Uh, so. A PlayStation 5 uh, has is not going to be delayed because of COVID-19, says Sony. And this comes from IGN. And uh, let's see, this was written by Joe Scrubbles. And it says here, a Sony spokesperson has said that the COVID-19 outbreak should cause no impact on the launch date of PlayStation 5. Speaking to Bloomberg, the spokesperson said the company doesn't see any notable impact on the unspecified holiday 2020 release date set for PS5. We already heard a Sony retained PR agency make a similar statement, but this is the first time someone at Sony itself has made a comment. That sentiment has been echoed by GameStop CEO George Sherman, who earlier said that there has been, quote, no indication of delays to either PS5 or Xbox Series X at this point. And IGN's Jonathan Dornbush recently spoke to six video game industry analysts who, despite caveats, that we are dealing with unprecedented circumstances came to a consensus that it's unlikely that next-gen consoles will be delayed. However, production shutdowns could still lead to reduced numbers of consoles being produced in time for launch, meaning shortages in the months after release. Louis, my question to you about this is, do you believe any of it, or do you think it's all bullshit? I... I think they're being optimistic. I think they wanna they wanna say that both Xbox and Sony have both said that we're still gonna meet our launch date. I think that they don't want want to be the first ones to blink. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that um, from like a pure business perspective, you don't want to let the competition get a leg up on you. So yeah. I think that they're gonna release something, even if there's only like a hundred of them. You know, you got to be the yeah. lucky few. <laughs> No, that, uh, that that makes sense. I, it, it does come across like from the general analyst perspective that shortages are more likely than a full-on delay. Uh, obviously, they're going to do their best so that they don't have to delay the consoles. But, you know, I, I kind of feel like it, it might be best uh, if they delayed it. Uh, I, I personally would rather a more comprehensive and uh, comprehensive and complete launch a few months later uh, than a kind of shitty launch in uh, in the holiday season. Since, I mean, we can look back at like the Switch a few years ago, you know, the Switch released in March and it had a pretty successful and good launch. So I don't, I think the days of you got to release it on Black Friday are not necessarily, I mean, it is still advantageous, but I feel like it's not necessarily a need anymore. Um, But we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, I think uh, it's advantageous in the sense that, you know, so many people spend millions of dollars on the holidays and you want to get the holidays, uh, the the hottest holiday gift item for your kids or whatever. It all Mm. makes sense. Um, I think that um, it could be one of those kind of like Nintendo Wii situations where it's like it's the hotness. And if you see it on the store shelf, you have to buy your compost. You're like you're compelled to buy it right then and there because it's like, oh, my God. You know, it's not it's not readily available. Um, mm-hmm. I know I've did that with with other products before. Um, I don't know. I just think that it's um, 
it's a, it's it's a it's it's got to be a situation where if if one of them is going to go on the holidays, they're both going on the holidays. So the only way I can see uh, a, a situation where they're delayed is if both of them announce together that they're delayed or something like that. Mm-hmm. But we'll see what yeah. happens. But I don't think they're talking to each other like that. They don't. They want to keep their secrets. There's no corporate espionage happening here. At least not that I'm aware of. <laughs> Uh, the last story here on uh, Coronavirus Watch is that, uh, and I'm just going to read the headline because uh, there's really not much to say, is uh, Pokemon and Apex Legend esports events canceled. So physical events scrapped amid coronavirus concerns, prize money shifted to online competitions. I mean, that's kind of what happened with Smash Brothers right now. There's a lot of Smash tournaments happening um, and they're online only. So this doesn't surprise me in the least. Yeah, just more events getting canceled. We've talked plenty about those in the past. I don't think we need to continue to repeat ourselves and uh just to make it clear this is referring to the 2020 play pokemon leagues uh and and multiple uh apex legends esports uh tournaments so yeah if you were looking forward to those i mean at this point you probably already expected them to get canceled anyway but yeah those are canceled as well so the pokemon world championships they're definitely huge huge deals uh just make no mistake about that um especially because like there's a junior division and the kids they um their prize money is scholarship money so Mm. Yeah. Louis, I'm excited for us to pump up the energy a little bit now that we're done with this part. <laughs> Let's <laughs> get right. into some good news, man. <laughs> All right. Some traditional news. Here we go. All right. So the first, uh, the first uh, big news story here is uh, this is pretty much, I don't know if this is considered rumor territory, but everyone's running the story as if it's confirmed. So Nintendo has big plans for Super Mario Brothers 35th anniversary. Celebrations will see Mario's 35-year back catalog remastered for the Switch. And this was this comes from uh, VideoGamesChronicles.com. And uh, let's see, I think it's uh, written by Andy Robinson. So Nintendo is planning to celebrate Super Mario's 35th anniversary this year with several major releases, new and old. Multiple sources have told VGC that the platform holder is planning to hold an event to coincide with this year's anniversary, which marks 35 years since the start of the mainline Super Mario series in 1985. As part of its anniversary celebrations, Nintendo will will reveal plans to re-release most of the Super Mario's 35-year back catalog this year, remastered for Nintendo Switch, VGC was told. Update, uh, more details have been revealed on the Super Mario Nintendo Switch remasters, Okay, original story as continued. Uh, as VGC's network partner Eurogamer reported in a follow-up to our story, these remasters will include 1997's Super Mario 64, 2002's Super Mario Sunshine, and 2007's Super Mario Galaxy. Nintendo will also reveal several other Mario titles in 2020, including a new installment in the Paper Mario series and a deluxe version of Super Mario uh, 2013's Super Mario 3D World. Uh, Dan. Do you have anything yeah. to say on this? I am. If this is real, I'm super excited about it. This very much feels like it's real, which is why I was cool with like including it in the doc. Um, I've seen this be posted by a variety of different sources. I The reason why I picked this link uh, from VGC is because it kind of came across, like I found some other articles linking to this one. So it kind of came across as the original source. But since then, it seems like a lot of other websites have been popping up with other information that they found from other sources. So it's kind of like a little bit of a mess right now as far as where the information is coming from and what the true source of it is. Uh, but I think this makes total sense. Um, it almost makes too much sense, actually, which is why I'm <laughs> the only <laughs> the only grain of salt that I have about it is that it makes too much sense and it's coming from Nintendo. <laughs> and it's not typical for us to get things that make that much sense from Nintendo. Um, <laughs> 
But it would be awesome to have a full like remaster or remake uh, of Super Mario 64. I never played Sunshine, so it'd be really cool to have a new reason to get to play that. And I am an absolute huge fan of Super Mario Galaxy. I also really like 3D World. Uh, that game is criminally underplayed because it was like stuck on the Wii U, and um, I don't think like a lot of people gave it a chance. Uh, so I think this is this would be really cool to like get to see all these uh, old Mario games uh, coming back to life. I hope that they're like actually remasters that they put some like like legit effort in, and that they're not just like I don't know like the same game upscaled or something. Um, and as far as like the new Paper Mario goes, I mean that that also matches a, a previous rumor that we talked about in the show. Uh, I think in one of our first couple episodes. Um, so I don't know. I think all of this makes sense. What what do you think? So there's a lot to di- there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, Mario is operating on on so many cylinders right now. Um, mm-hmm. I know I cut the article short, but they mentioned uh, the Super Mario World uh, theme park attraction was set to open later this year. But I'm guessing that the coronavirus is gonna delay that. But mm-hmm. it was, uh, and on top of that, they're working on this animated Super Mario uh, movie with Illumination. And I know it's further out, but at least if they, if they were able to make a teaser come out by the end of the year, that would be hella dope. And then on top of that, um, there was a leak from Target uh, or from someone claiming to work for Target or whatever that uh, the Lego Mario set was going to release this August at $70 for the basic uh, set. So um, that's basically you have so many pipelines happening here. And this kind of one is kind of it feels like it's the year of Mario, which is crazy because I just remember when it was a 30 year anniversary, just like it was yesterday, whenever they celebrated the 30 year anniversary with the Amiibo and the uh, the release of uh of Mario Maker. Yeah. So I remember that too. And honestly, I feel like, I, I mean, maybe you didn't feel that same way, but a lot of times I feel like these Nintendo like celebrations of their characters kind of, I, I don't want to call them disappointing. It's more that like, I don't think they live up to what they could be or what uh, the majority of fans would probably wish them to be. Or maybe, maybe you don't uh, agree with that thought, but I, I remember for the 25th anniversary of Mario, they did a release of Super Mario All-Stars for the Wii and it was this like limited edition box that I actually got and I, I still have. And it had like a soundtrack disc on it and it also had the like a Super Mario All-Stars, uh, the classic SNES collection for the Wii disc on it. Uh, but when I bought it, I remember I was kind of hoping that it would be more of a like kind of like polished up um, like re-release. But they were just ROMs game. basically. Yeah, it was literally just the same thing. Um, yeah, I know that was hella disappointing. I'm not gonna lie. And then on top of that, <laughs> the worst, the adding insult to ins, uh, insult to injury is that it wasn't even like the Super Mario All Stars plus Super Mario World pack. It was just the regular Super Mario All Stars. That's right. That's right. I even forgot about that part. I didn't even I, I even forgot that it didn't include Super Mario World. But you're right. It was Super Mario Brothers one through three plus I think Lost the Levels. Lost Levels. Yeah. yeah, I know that's um, very ins- in- insulting. And also, yeah, like I think. For, for me, as far as I understand it, like Nintendo only celebrates anniversaries unless there's a product to sell. So mm-hmm. it's just kind of a and, little j- bitter and jaded on my end. Yeah, I also remember that it was like, I think it was Metroid's like either probably 30th anniversary a few years ago and that literally nothing happened. Like they barely even talked about it. Well, um, that and also Metroid and Zelda 1, they both came out in the same year. So anytime it's a Zelda anniversary, it's also a Metroid anniversary. Yeah, so uh, I hope they I hope they get better about that. I think it's like, I mean... At the end of the day, it's it's just a date, right? It's just a year. It's kind of like when you're past uh, 21, your birthday's just kind of 
don't matter as much anymore either. Um, but I think if there's a right way to do an anniversary, it would be with something like this, like, um, like give us a new game and then bring back some old classics and, and do some cool like stuff outside of games as well. And um, that's why I'm like, this news almost like this new story almost sounds too good to be Nintendo. <laughs> yeah. um, so let me ask you this. And, and this is like, you know, the, the articles and like everything that I've been reading about it, it doesn't uh, quite uh, uh, give you a definitive answer on this. But let me ask you this. Do you think that this will be Super Mario All-Stars 2 or they're going to piecemeal and remaster every individual game and you have to buy every game for $60? I don't know if they're all going to be $60, but I do think they're going to piecemeal them. Uh, and I I think it's because if you look at the sort of the trend, we, we don't... I feel, I feel like the, the piecemeal sales is more in line with what Nintendo typically does nowadays. Like, when was the last time that they really put out a... Like a collection, cool, yeah, cool, like uh, remaster think, collection like that. I think Kirby's Dreamland collection on the Wii is the last thing I can think of. Mm-hmm. And, and, then and then there's Metroid Prime on the Wii. Yeah, they don't do mm-hmm. that anymore. Yeah, it's it's been a while. I mean, there was a couple weird cases like they did that Mario Party thing on the 3DS. Uh, which the, was top like the top 100. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess NES remix and things like that can also. Uh, they're, but they're more like their own thing. I feel like I feel like what this is gonna be. I think they're gonna be different releases. I think they might do a thing where it's like one a month uh where maybe they'll start rolling them out in like september or something and then like you get like super mario 64 like remastered in september and then like sunshine in october and then galaxy in november you know i think it's going to be more like something like that as opposed to a collection it would be dope if it was a collection though like if you could if you could spend 60 dollars and have all of these games remastered sign me up but it sounds (laughs) sounds too good to be true oh my god super mario all-stars 2 with, yeah. <laughs> with uh look, I'm like I'm not gonna get I'm gonna add this one in there here. So obviously Mario sixty four, Mario Sunshine, Mario Galaxy, and then throw in Mario three D World and boom, you're set. Yeah, I know. And like another interesting thing too is like if you look back, like the thing that was cool about Super Mario All Stars two, or I mean at least at the time, is that they remade these games with updated graphics based on what they had at the time. Yeah. So what if it was all the games that you described, but with the Super Mario Odyssey like style? Oh my God! <laughs> Don't excite me like that. <laughs> Obviously, uh, this is it, it's way like <laughs> Nintendo wouldn't do that. <laughs> so. All right. Well, uh, yeah. yeah. Anything else you wanted to say on this? No, let's. Uh, I, I'm really hoping for the best here, but I also don't have my hopes too high. I think we're probably gonna get some like okay-ish like remastered version of these games, and that they're gonna be released like by <laughs> for oh, like sixty dollars yeah. each. Or yeah, it's maybe. gonna be ports, uh, just a re- like straight up ports, like you know, right click save as Nintendo Switch. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. It's gonna be uh, sixty dollars a pop. That's like yeah. I'm, but I'm, I'm hella jaded. But even then, like I need to, I need to hear like Nintendo actually announce this to see where I'm, where I'm uh, feeling on the temperature scale on this. Yeah, same. All right, so uh, gamesindustry.biz. We got a new article saying that Epic launches publishing label with Remedy, Play Dead, and uh, Gen Design on board. So this is written by Matthew Hendraren, and this is Epic's game. Epic Games Publishing will be multi platform, cover as much as 100% of costs, and offer partners 50 50 profit share. So Epic Games has launched a new multi-platform publishing label with Remedy Entertainment, Play Dead, and Gen Design as its first partners. Epic Games Publishing aims to tip the balance of the publisher relationship in favor of the developers, offering terms that it believes will be more attractive than its rivals. This includes full creative ownership with developers keeping 100% of the IP rights and total creative control. 
It will offer as much as 100% of the development costs, including employee salaries, and it will split profits 50-50 once its costs are recouped. We are building, uh, open quotes, we are building the publishing model we've always wanted for ourselves when we work with publishers, close quote, said Epic Games CEO uh, Tim Sweeney in a statement. The first three partners to sign with the Epic Games publishing label are The Last Guardian Studio, Gen Design, Inside Developer, Play Dead, and Remedy Entertainment, the company behind Control, Alan Wake, and Max Payne. So, yeah, um, this is very interesting stuff, and I think um, Epic is uh, making good use of their Fortnite money. Yeah, I know. So I think Epic is like, they're disrupting this industry in such an interesting way. Like, And I say disrupting in a positive sense, actually, where they're pretty much like, looking at the way things are done and saying we can do it better and then attempting to do it better i think that's what they did with the epic games tour now i know that there's still a lot of uh ground that they need to cover there as far as the actual tool and the services go but the, as far as their approach to developers and their revenue split with developers it's very like they, they have a very good deal there and i think this is another this also something interesting where now they're bringing that same level of you know uh, we can do better confidence um, to the publishing side because, and I saw some people that, you know, clearly maybe did not really do the math right for this or just don't really have experience with how publishing works at all, um, kind of criticizing this on uh, online in a few places. But this deal is freaking amazing. Like, <laughs> this is so much, like, what they're offering is so much better than any publisher out there would, honestly. Like, the fact that they will like pay for everything that the developer keeps a hundred percent of the IP, like just that by itself, right. Is already like almost unprecedented. And then on top of that, I shouldn't say unprecedented, but it's already like not your typical deal. And then on top of that, they split the profits 50, 50. Like that's really good. That's like a really good deal. Um, so I'm just, I'm, I'm really glad that as you said, like they could, they don't need to do this. Like they're, they're making so much money from Unreal and from Fortnite and they could just pocket that money and, you know, chill really, or just focus on continuing to support Fortnite. But I think it's really cool that they're doing all these um, new initiatives and, and trying to kind of change the industry for the better from my perspective. And the, the, I feel like the proof that how, how good this is, is the fact that three major developers um, that, probably are used to dealing with other publishers like did not hesitate into jumping into this which are you know play dead which made inside and limbo some of the best like independent games out there um remedy who made like control which was one of the game apparently one of the games of the year from last year i did not play it but you know like a very uh respected um studio as well and then the guys behind the last guardian which you know there's it it, it has it has its fans and it, it had its issues but like they I, I just think that validates that, you know, they're doing something good. And, and I think we're going to, uh, now after I saw this, I think we're going to, similar to how there was a time frame where we kept reading about Epic Store exclusive, exclusivity uh, and what that meant. I think we're going to start seeing a lot of news of, oh, now this developer has partnered with Epic Publishing. And now this developer has partnered with Epic Publishing. And all these um, Epic Game Stores exclusives. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I agree that uh, Steam is... Uh, it, even from a, like a from a launcher's perspective, like you don't want to have a monopoly on like on PC gaming, so I think it's it makes sense to have competition. In the in the end, like the consumers win, um, mm -hmm. and I just think that it's um, it's 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 good for them, and I I really do appreciate the 
the the level of commitment they're 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 giving back. So uh, the closest thing that I can think of off the top of my head that like I've ever I've even seen a publishing uh, situation look close like this, and I don't want to. Um, you know, I, we, 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 uh, me specifically, let me just go ahead and clarify. Uh, me specifically, I poo poo EA a lot in this show. Uh, but this is one time where, like, I believe EA um, deserves credit uh, because the closest thing that I can think of was the EA Originals program, which is for uh, specifically for indie developers. Now, granted, I know, um, you know, when you're working with smaller scale projects like Faye and all these other, like, smaller, like, indie games, you know, like, the money throwing around isn't going to be, like, the level that, they're, that Epic Games is throwing around. But at least with EA Originals, from my understanding, is that um, the EA gives 100% of the profits back to the to the developers, and they only um, get back, they only recoup their money from the sales, and after they recoup it, then they forward everything else over to uh, the developers. But I don't know anything about, like, the IP rights on that, though. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's that's kind of uh, I, I want to see this industry uh, shift towards uh, uh, the developers uh, not getting screwed over, which is unlike uh, what I heard about Borderlands. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> that's that's a different story. <laughs> yeah, we're not I don't think we're running that story this week. So, uh, yeah, I didn't uh, I didn't put it on the dock. Maybe we can bring it in. It felt like something that was just kind of starting. Um, so maybe if we, if we hear more updates on it, perhaps we'll bring it in next week or something. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, so, uh, let's move on here. So this comes from GameSpot and, uh, this article was written by Eddie, um, McCooch and it says here, the Xbox series X Phil Spencer talks price feels quote, really good after the PS5 reveal. Uh, the Xbox boss says he feels good about the price of the next gen uh, generation console. So Xbox boss Phil Spencer has commented broadly and non-specifically about the price of the Xbox Series X. Speaking to IGN, Spencer said he feels confident about the price point, adding that he believes Microsoft has a, quote, winning plan, close quote, for the next generation console as it competes with the PlayStation 5. Uh, Open quote, I feel good about the price we're going uh, to be able to get to, Spencer said. I feel good about the price and the performance capabilities that we have for Series X. I feel incredibly strong about the overall package, close quote. So the Xbox uh, Series X price isn't set yet, it seems. Spencer said he is eyes wide open in regards to the final price of the console, adding that Microsoft will be looking at what Sony does in terms of pricing for the PlayStation 5. No matter what, however, Spencer said Microsoft believes it, it has a winning plan for the console. I believe we have a plan that can win, and now that we have to, now we have to go execute, he said. Spencer went on to say that he that the overall goal with the Xbox Series X price is to stay agile and to uh, set a price that meets or surpasses the expectations of fans. He added that the value of the Xbox Series X is beyond the console alone, also factoring in the appeal of services like Xbox Game Pass and backwards compa- compatibility. He also mentioned that the smart del- delivery feature is an offering that players might find value in to help them feel comfortable with buying the Xbox platform. So um, that's a lot of uh, interesting stuff, and I, I, I 100% agree on the consumer-friendly side of the situation. And um, even though he didn't you know, announce the price or anything like that, I think he's really, um, and Xbox team in general, they're really just hammering home the value proposition of the Xbox. And I, I'm you know, looking, my, my eyes are kind of like widening, widening a bit on this one. What do you think? Yeah, same. Uh, it's interesting because, as I mentioned before in the show many times, I, I was never an Xbox guy. I was always a PlayStation slash Nintendo guy, and I, I think we're kind of similar in that way. But 
Uh, when I think of next gen and when I look at these consoles that are coming out and, and what we know about them and the trajectory that we see them, that we've been kind of seeing these two companies take over the last few months and, and perhaps even over like the last year and, and over, I think that I right now I am more likely to be purchasing an Xbox Series X um, in the launch um, day or window than I would a PS5. And I say this with like no like intense criticism of the PS5 or anything like that, but I just feel like Microsoft has been so forward thinking with their message in regards to this console. And I think they recognize the flaws that they made with the Xbox One. And I think they're doing a really good job at rectifying all of that and at giving their players like really a really good value proposition. I think all the studios that they bought um, have a lot of potential for bringing in very cool new Xbox games for the next generation. And as somebody that has been playing PlayStation all my life, I feel like I can wait. Like when I think about the, you know, the new exclusives that will be coming to the PS5, I feel like I could totally see myself waiting a year or two to go and play those games, especially with Sony's current cadence, which is about like, maybe like they have like about three big exclusives per year right now. Um, and it's not like I want to play all of them anyway. And, and one of them is I always Forza. <laughs> well, that well, that's from... I was talking Sony. Oh my God. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. So if you look at Sony, like last year, it was like Death Stranding and Days Gone and um, that might've been it actually. And then this year is Dreams and Last of Us and Ghost of Tsushima. Granted, I love these games, but um, I feel like after like we play Last of Us 2 this year and then Ghost of Tsushima, I'm not really sure how many like big, like exclusive Sony is going to be able to deliver uh, within the first like year or two of the PS5. So um I, I'm kind of like tempted right now. Like my the, the place where my mind is at right now is that I can see myself buying an Xbox so, so that I can like get Xbox Game Pass and get access to all the Xbox like exclusives and kind of catch up on the Xbox One generation that I missed and uh, play all the new Xbox games that they're going to have from all the new studios that they bought and whatnot. So um, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I'm uh, like I said, I'm kind of uh, I'm, I'm warming up to the Xbox. I mean, I'm. I think I was always going to get one from the from the uh, from the beginning. Um, you know, currently I have a separate uh, little uh, uh, savings account that I'm kind of like putting away to make sure I can afford um, you know all the consoles. And uh, I guess I like I said I think it's um, I don't know I'm just I'm just that kind of person that says I just want all the shiny new toys. So <laughs> I don't think I, I don't think my 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 voice really matters if I was if I was always going to vote with my wallet on this one. Another story here that was uh, that runs in tandem with this is that the, this also comes from GameSpot, and this is talking about uh, IGN's uh, interview with Phil Spencer. Uh, which uh, let me just go ahead and I, I'll like I won't uh, read the whole article here, but basically Xbox boss Phil Spencer he commented on the COVID 19s impact on the X for the Xbox Series X and the Halo Infinite's release dates. So he says that things are right now aren't easy, things are stretched. I can feel it on the teams, and they are stretched. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and just read you the quote here. Um, the quote, this is, comes from Phil Spencer himself. Open quote. The thing I'm going to put front and center is the safety and security of the team. Spencer said, there is no decision that I will make or frankly anybody at Microsoft would even ask me to make that would compromise the safety and security of the teams for a near-term financial or product gain. The teams are the most important thing. Close quote. So uh, I think that's very uh, that's a very good statement to make. It's very bold, and I think that's uh, you know you know applause uh, to him. You know, not gonna put uh, profits over people. And um, either way, he's um, 
he didn't uh, in the interview he didn't really play too much uh what ifs um with ign whenever they were he was giving the interview he is kind of uh, saying with uh some degree of certainty that they're going to hit their their launch windows that their their product supply chains isn't that fully disrupted and they can still uh uh, try to meet the deadlines, but of course they're going to be agile. They're going to pivot if they need to. But for now, um, the course is set. Is from what I from what I got away. Do you want to uh, chime in anything else that I didn't read on the article? Uh, yeah, I I don't necessarily have uh, a lot to add. It was just like I I didn't find a good uh, general article that uh, covered like this whole interview. So so I kind of grabbed these two because they seem to have like like some different takes from it. But I f I feel like ultimately my takeaway from this, and I do want to take the time to maybe watch the full interview later is that I, I just really like, I feel like Phil Spencer is a very likable dude. And I feel like he's a very good face for Xbox right now. He has been a very good face for Xbox for the last five years, ever since, you know, Dometric left. Um, and I, I think his vision and his heart is in the right place and it has been in the right place this whole time. And, and I think ultimately, um, as much as they love uh, PlayStation exclusives more, um, I do really like what Xbox is doing with, with Game Pass and, and just kind of their general approach to their business right now and to the market. And I almost, you know, feel kind of jealous of that stuff sometimes. Like, how cool would it be if we also had a service that gave us for a short price per month, gave us access to like every first party PlayStation game and things along those lines. Like, it is it is something really cool when you think about it. And I can't help but just like root for Xbox and feel really positive about where they're going uh right now and i think we're gonna i think there's good chance that we're gonna see a shift um next generation on who's winning yeah. but we'll see the netflix for games um that should have been an obvious thing that they one of the platform holders should have jumped on with that they had a chance of course xbox did but you know it mm -hmm. felt like it could have just as easily been sony or nintendo if they um you know if they were really trying to push hard for this but and, uh, and the thing that's so cool about xbox game pass too is that like it's not just you know, playing um, in the cloud or, or or anything like that, you can actually fully download the game and play in your console. So I feel like that part of it is what alleviates so much of people's um, potential concerns of um, subscription services in general yeah. uh, and what makes it so appealing. And also, uh, I watched the full hour-long interview and Phil Spencer was talking about how uh, they can see like the, like the analytics and people with Game Pass and um, they... And also with uh, the the beta for the uh, X Cloud is that people are like little humming hummingbirds and they just kind of like just move from flower to flower really quickly. You know, they they basically try a game and a, a, a vast number of games at once. So gamers get to like you know have different experiences and try out new things that they wouldn't otherwise. So I think it's really cool. Um, yeah. But there's one other thing here, and I was just uh, kind of like glancing through the article, and there's two paragraphs that I want to read here um, before we close out this this one here. So Spencer confirmed that Microsoft has no plan B in place right now for what could happen if COVID-19 crisis continues for an extended period of time. That being said, Spencer said he does not want to launch the Xbox Series X on a staggered basis as it did with the Xbox One. In Japan, for example, the Xbox One launched a full nine months after the system arrived in other parts of the world. Spencer said he wants the Xbox Series X to have a global, simultaneous rollout. Good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> this, <laughs> this brings up an interesting scenario with Halo Infinite. Spencer said Microsoft, quote, won't hold 
the launch of the platform for any individual game, close quote. Based on this comment, it would sound like Microsoft will ship the Xbox Series X this holiday, even if Halo Infinite or any, any other marquee first-party game is delayed. No matter what happens, Spencer said Microsoft plans to be very transparent with people about their plans. Anything uh, you want to, any thoughts on this one? Um, no, I don't necessarily have anything to add, but okay. we'll see about the... <laughs> We'll see about the global release. It seems <laughs> like this this is going to be difficult this year. Yeah, that's what I already put my two cents on that one. All right, uh, so let's go ahead and move on. So um, Outer, Wild, uh, Outer Wilds wins Best Game and Original IP and Design at 2020 BAFTA Game Awards. Uh, Disco Elysium also takes home three honors for Best Narrative, Music, and Debut. This comes from gamesindustry.biz, and this uh, article was written by Rebecca Valentine, and it just goes over the, the, the British Academy of Film and Television Arts um, they held its 16th annual, uh, sorry, yeah, 16th annual awards show honoring excellence in games this year, and it was entirely live streamed online due to COVID-19. And I'm just gonna go ahead and run down the winners. Um, actually, you know what? Um, I know I'm not the host, but Dan, you take this one. Is there anything you want to spotlight here? Because I don't want to read everything. Uh, sure. Let's uh, let's go through it really fast. So I haven't played Outer Wilds, but I think this is the first award show where we see this win Game of the Year. Um, so that's pretty cool for them. This 2019 was very interesting. Where if you look at all the award shows, there's a different winner for every single one. In I fact, thought it was I always think... Untitled Goose Game winning everything for some reason. <laughs> no. So Untitled Goose Game won two awards. It was actually I think the only one that won two of the major awards. But then oh. Sekiro Sekiro oh, yeah, won all the right. Game Awards, and then Outer Wilds won this one. And I think there might have been another game that either Resident Evil 2 or Star Wars, I think, won one of the other awards. But um, cool. So uh, you lovely just mentioned three and you especially love the animation and they won the animation award yeah. as well. Uh, Ape Out, which is a game I own on the Switch, owned, um, won the Audio Achievement Award. And this is a very interesting game. I definitely recommend people checking out uh, if they haven't yet. And it definitely has this very unique, like, audio to it is it it's very jazzy and i the audio plays uh and it's kind of tied to your action the beats kind of mesh with your actions in the game in a cool way so uh, i think that makes sense for why they would win an audio award um let's see disco elysium uh won debut game they've been pretty much winning these types of awards in a lot of the a lot of the different shows untitled goose game won family game uh kind word kind words won game beyond entertainment which that's a game that i haven't played yet but it seems pretty interesting it's like this very simple game where all you do is you write letters to other people and then they write letters for you uh it's supposed to be this kind of wholesome like send positive messages to other people and whatnot it's like a little um, virtual like uh, letter in a bottle you throw it into the ocean and kind of thing yeah something along those lines uh, i think it was on steam uh, Apex Legends won Best Multiplayer which nothing that surprising there uh, Outer Wilds also won Original Property Disco Elysium also won music and narrative. And yeah, I think that's... A, oh, Death Stranding won technical achievement. Yeah, which, that's the other one. Uh, I think that's uh, that's fair. Shout out to Call of Duty Mobile for winning Mobile Game of the Year. Yes. Um, and also... <laughs> I, I, I wonder... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I just... I wonder if... I'm kind of tempted to check out this Call of Duty Mobile game because I keep seeing it pop up everywhere. It's actually pretty good. Like I said, I played it and it really does feel like Call of Duty on the PS4, but on a phone. Um mm -hmm. But I just wanted to give a, a quick, like, a confused, like, what to, to Family Game? Because, like, usually that's Nintendo's category, and I'm just surprised <laughs> that uh, a, a goose game where you're an asshole to people is the one that, like, is a Family Game. So That is interesting, but the, honestly, I, I feel like the Family Game category is a very random category anyway. It, it doesn't feel like there's usually much of a standard for what goes on <laughs> it. 
That's okay. Good, good, good. Uh, I'll accept that answer. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, though. It's it is usually like to me. It's usually the best Nintendo game. That's usually in, on the Game Awards. Literally every single nominee for the best family game category was a Nintendo game. So. Yeah. All right. All right. Cool. 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 Uh, so let's uh, let's uh, go ahead and move on uh, some to the extra news. Uh, these are the stuff where I'm just going to read the headline and we'll just talk about this real quick. So uh, Bethesda's senior. Glo- uh, Bethesda's global senior vice president of marketing and communications, Pete Hines, has announced via Twitter that his team will not be hosting a digital event during E3 this year. Eurogamer has reported that the official Xbox magazine has closed down due to low sales figures. The Legend of Heroes Trails of Cold Steel 4 was announced for North America. The game will be hitting the PS4 this fall with a uh, later release on Nintendo Switch and PC in 2021. Wasteland 3 was originally set for a May 19th release date on PC, PS4, and Xbox One, uh, which has been pushed back uh, to a late summer due to difficulties introduced by remote work. Sony Corporation has established a global relief fund pouring $100 million into supporting those affected by the spread of coronavirus. All right, anything you want to hit on? Uh, so I think it's interesting to see that Bethesda will not be doing a uh, press conference this this year. And it reminds me of the betting game that we did a few weeks ago where I said, um, and this was not, you know, like not wishing any ill will or anything, but I, I said the biggest disappointment of the year will be Bethesda. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You're up so, so that. yeah, that's, that's, that's your point right there. <laughs> that's kind of lining up. And well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm joking. Obviously they, they just put out, I actually, when I said that, I actually forgot that, um, uh, id software was under bethesda so i totally forgot that doom eternal was coming out and that it was going to be a big game so um that came out this year but th- my point with that prediction was very much like i don't think we're gonna see like elder scrolls or uh starfield or you know the games that people were have been waiting for for years i don't think we're gonna see them this year yet and i think this kind of confirms it actually <clears throat> i feel like e3 would have sh- uh, forced their hand into making a show out of something like you know mm-hmm. And yeah. it's the fact that, you know, E3 is, is now a digital event or, you know, what have you, it's, or it's kind of basically canceled and so to speak. Um, so I think that when, when Bethesda is looking at the calculus and realize like, hmm, well, since we don't have to go, then let's not go, you know, that kind of thing. We have nothing to show. Let's not, uh, let's not put on a show. So, yeah, for sure. Um, I guess it's fine. It's a little disappointing for fans, but, um, at least, uh, was it, was it Bethesda that was last year at E3 where they had like a clearly paid audience? I don't remember, but uh, I feel like it was like, yeah. like there was a guy that was like, yeah, like, and like they were <laughs> clapping for everything. And I'm pretty sure it was Bethesda, if I'm not mistaken. No, you're right. But I feel like the clearly paid audience is a bit conspiratorial. I just assumed they probably picked people that were big Bethesda fans to be there or something. But I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> and I also wanted to uh, be like RIP, uh, official Xbox magazine, um, yeah. OXM. You know, that's, I, I know that, I know those abbreviations, uh, but uh it kind of makes sense that uh, the magazines are going the way of the dinosaur in a digital age. You know, whenever you um, are printing these, like, are they either weekly or monthly, depending on their schedule, you know, by that time, you know, the news is old. And, you know, yeah. um, the only way you can possibly, like, be relevant is if you break the story and you sign an exclusivity deal for a preview or something like that. Uh, but beyond that, um, it wouldn't be um, financially feasible in, in this kind of day and age. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, that's pretty much all I wanted to say on these things. Um, so this is time for you to take over the wheel on this one, uh, since you're going to be handling the drop. Go for it. 
Yeah, let's go. Uh, so we actually took a little bit longer than I expected with the with the rest of the show. So I, I might go through this relatively fast, but it's going to be easy because there's really not much coming out anymore. Um, and it's probably going to be the case for a good portion of the rest of the year. But Resident Evil 3 remake just uh, just dropped when you're if you're if you're hearing this uh, on Friday, April 3rd, which is when our episode is releasing. Today is the release date for Resident Evil 3 remake. Following the success of last year's Resident Evil 2 remake, Capcom is already giving us a remake of Resident Evil 3. As returning series protagonist Jill Valentine, you embark on a perilous journey to survive the early days of Raccoon City's zombie outbreak. All the while, a towering bioweapon known as Nemesis hunts you at every turn, making your struggle to escape that much more difficult. Like its predecessor, RE3 reimagines the, event, reimagines the events of the original to create a unique survival horror experience that looks to defy the expectations of longtime series fans while also terrifying and surprising newcomers. I have RE2 um, in in disc. I have not played it yet. Um, so I'm probably going to want to play that before I even check this one out. But if this is your thing, it's out. And then uh, within a week from now, so we can talk about this on the other show, Final Fantasy VII Remake uh, will come out as well. I'll read the blurb here because why not? Uh, FF7 Remake is finally coming out on April 10th. The project was long rumored for years during the sixth console generation and fan requested for many years more after a PS3 tech demo played with the hearts of Final Fantasy fans everywhere. But here we are, almost five years since its original announcement, and we're about to get our hands on the highly anticipated remake. You once again play as Cloud Strife, a former Shinra soldier, soldier turned mercenary, who joins an eco-terrorist group to fight the evil Shinra Corporation, who have been sucking the planet's life energy dry. With a revised real-time combat system and a reimagined story, you get to experience Final Fantasy VII in a completely new yet familiar way. Um, and these are pretty much the only big releases for April until um, Gear Statics, Gear Statics at the very end um, of the month. So we'll get to that when we get to that. Yep. Uh, however, we had kind of like a shadow drop uh, this week. Um, Activision, and I'll, I'll read this one from uh, Eurogamer. Activision has finally announced Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 Remastered and is available now on PlayStation 4, but it is currently only available on PS4 as a timed exclusive. PC and Xbox One owners will be able to pre-order the game today, Activision said, but not play it. Uh, update. Activision has now tweeted to say it will become available on other platforms on April 30th. Uh, on PS4, it is available from the UK PlayStation 4, uh, or UK PlayStation Store priced uh, £19.99, uh, I believe... It is probably the equivalent in uh, dollars. It would probably be like $20 or something like that. So yeah, they just kind of dropped this. I heard some people pretty upset about the fact that it's a timed exclusive, um, which eh, I guess that month. happens. Yeah. It is only a month. And it, it's, it is, uh, is kind of shitty. Yeah, and it's a remake of an old game. So it's not like it's yeah. not new content. I, I'll definitely give you that, but also like it just kind of feels weird. <laughs> you know, it, I guess it just kind of feels weird for like a Call of Duty Um remastered to be exclusive but well, it's okay. not I'm... it's not weird for call of duty in general because um like even with the xbox 360 generation they've yeah they've always been uh signing away exclusives um mm -hmm. dlc maps or and all that kind of stuff so it doesn't make it doesn't really like bother me or like it doesn't really like make me bat an eye whenever i see like oh call of duty has a time exclusivity deal with a platform holder okay in other news water is wet <laughs> sure thing uh this week <laughs> so um, April Fools happened this week, and I I didn't really see much of anything pop up. Honestly, I also did not necessarily pursue it. Uh, but it looks like PUBG is doing a special mode, and, and this will be running for the whole week uh, until April from April first to April seventh. 
Uh, so I'll read this quickly from GameSpot here. Uh, it was written by Stephen T. Wright. Uh, PUBG has unveiled its April Fool's joke ahead of schedule this year, and it's a doozy. Fantasy Battle, it's, uh, Fantasy Battle Royale is a third-person squad-based game mode where you play as classes from D&D-esque fantasy games like a wizard or a barbarian. However, since you can't exactly find Chainmail on Arendelle, these classes are creatively assembled from what they could find lying around. For example, the Paladin's Shield is a trash can lid, and the Barbarian's Sword is a repurposed saw. According to the announcement, these matches will be fast and furious, with the so-called Blue Zone moving much faster than in regular matches. These classes each have special weapons too, with the Paladins mending start healing your allies when you walk them, and the Barbarians kick-ash longsword increasing your movement speed with every hit. The special Fantasy Battle Royale event will run from April 1st to April 7th. So if you like PUBG, here's something new for you to play in the game uh, for the next couple of days. And... That's it for like new releases and updates. Uh, did you have anything else you'd like to add, Lewis? No, nothing. I think uh, you pretty much covered everything. Okay, sounds good. So now let's get to some Broke Gamer's Guide with some uh, deals for you guys. Uh, so on the Epic Game Store, the free games uh, for this week, which will be free until April 9th, are Drowful 2, Gone Home, and HOB, or Hob. Uh, my uh, pick of the week this time goes to the one game out of those that I have played, which is Going Home. Ditto. It is a great game from uh, a few years ago, and uh, you can beat it in about two hours, I think. It's definitely worth your time uh, if you haven't played it yet. Uh, let's see. this. I, I believe I heard about this Drawful game. I think it's a um, obviously a drawing game that you can play multiplayer with your friends. Um, just kind of one of those silly, like, um, you got to play. Yeah, like, like Pictionary? Pictionary type of thing or something similar. Um and then Hob, let's look at this. Uh, Hob is a vibrant, suspenseful action-adventure game set on a stunning and brutal world in disarray. As players delve into the mysteries around them, they discover a planet in peril. Can it be mended, or will the world fall further into chaos? Yeah, so this looks like an interesting, like, it almost kind of looks like a 3D platformer. Um, it's cel-shaded. The, uh, the art style reminds me of The Witness. Oh, yes, you're right. It, it does kind of look like that. Uh, so those are the free games on the Epic Store, so definitely go and grab those. Uh, going through a couple other deals in here. Uh, so there is a current uh, Humble Bundle called Conquer COVID-19, uh, which is for which costs $30, and it gives you a lot of games. Uh, in fact, it gives you 54 PC games, and some of those are pretty good. Um, I mean, Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons, which we uh, were both fans of, is part of this bundle as well as undertale which i know is a classic like sort of cult hit uh rpg from from a couple of years ago uh into the breach is there as well hollow knight is there as well the witness which lewis just mentioned comparing to the other game is there as well uh broken age is part of this bundle as well psychonauts uh war to goo um jackbox party pack super hot i mean mm -hmm. damn they got everything under the sun up in this game yeah <laughs> so this is a crazy like crazy deal like the amount of stuff that you get uh, and besides, I, I would have to read further into this, but Humble Bundle usually, uh, the way they work is that the the, the money that goes in uh, goes to help support uh, certain causes. Um, so based on the naming of this bundle, um, I'm sure that some of this, at least some of the, the profits of it or, or some of the, not even the profits, some of the revenue from it is probably going to go towards um, um, like COVID-19 related uh, causes. Also, Rayman Legends, which is a game that Louis is a big fan of, uh, is free on the Ubisoft store, but I'm not sure if it's still going to be free when you're listening to this. So if, if you want to get this game for free on PC, you should go and check it today because 
that said that the deal would be worth until April 3rd. But I don't know if that means including April 3rd or if April 3rd is going to be gone. So you might want to go check that out. That's on the Uplay store. Um, now, confirming the uh, PS Plus games, which uh, Louis mentioned last week that they had leaked. Uh, they have, in fact, been confirmed now. And it is Uncharted 4, A Thief's End and Dirt Rally 2.0. So definitely go grab those if you're interested. And the Xbox April 2020 games with gold have been announced as well. Uh, the games are Project Cars 2 and Knights of Pen and Paper on Xbox One and Fable Anniversary and Toy Box Turbos on Xbox 360. Now, I, the only thing I know is ahead. that Fable is a big franchise for the Xbox brand. That's pretty yes. much all I know. Yeah, Fable is a classic uh, like Xbox RPG that, that people really like. So um, if you're into that, you might want to go check it out. Uh, and then I wanted to highlight, you know, the PSN always has deals going on. Um, there's pretty much stuff on sale every week. But I don't always bring it up because I don't usually think that deals are necessarily that substantial. Uh, but this week, there's actually some pretty cool stuff there. So you can get that Stranding for just 30 bucks right now. Uh, and you can also get Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order for 35 And sometimes I go and I check on Amazon um, to see like the, the prices of these games there. And a lot of times Amazon will be matching the sales in the PSN store. So if you want to get... That's trending physically instead. I just saw that it's $30 on Amazon as well. Um, so there, there's a lot of games on sale. You might want to go check it out. That's their spring sale. The Witcher 3, God of War, Call of Duty. And Red Dead um, 2 is back on sale. We could have uh, <laughs> saved some money on that. Well, you know, we should have been smarter about it, I guess. <laughs> uh, Days Gone, 20 bucks. I see a lot of interesting sales going on. They're actually, uh, and of course, the Kingdom Hearts all-in-one package is down at $30. So... There you go. It's um, it's definitely not. Uh, they're definitely not light on the sales. That's for damn sure. Um, yeah, I'm I'm very tempted to get Death Stranding. Actually, I think I think I'm finally gonna play that one. Dragon Ball Z Kakarot for forty bucks. Nice. Mm -hmm. Um. So um, there's one thing I wanted to mention that I, I you didn't put on the dock, and um, I, and I know it's uh, something that we don't uh, for like broke gamers guide. This is one uh, blind spot that um, you know even I personally will take ownership in in the fact that. Um, uh, you know, I don't add it to the dock because I haven't, I don't think it's been worth as of late, but uh, Twitch, uh, Twitch Prime. So in case you're already an Amazon Prime member, you get Twitch Prime for free. And with Twitch Prime, you can give out one sub to someone you watch, as well as there's uh, games um, that they give out for free on the Twitch uh, app launcher. So you can get free PC games. And when they first announced the program, they went hard on the games and they were giving out like headliners, just banger after banger. And then it kind of slowly, like, like, kind of like slowed down. And they've been giving out free games, but they've been like uh, smaller, like low pro, low profile games, very indie games. Um, there hasn't been anything that's been worth spotlighting since the show, since we've been doing the show, uh, until now. And and even then, that's kind of I'm kind of like lukewarm on it. But if you're a Twitch Prime member, you can get Turok, um, the original game. So I think it's a remaster. Cool. So for the N64, I know people like Turok, so you can get it there for free for the entire month of April. It's time for topic of the show. All right, let's do this. <laughs> We're only like an hour and a half in. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think, I don't have a lot to say on this one. Uh, the topic of the show is about quarantine uh, gaming. So basically, uh, we just wanted to open the floor up to between the two of us and talk about anything that uh, we would like to play uh, slash we are going to play anything that's on our back catalog, anything to do to pass the time when we're all cooped up in our houses. So I have a perfect game 
um, for this for this topic, and I was actually going to play it for this week to talk about it for what we're playing, but I'm going to actually do it for next week. So uh, my game for quarantine gaming is actually going to be uh, Ring Fit Adventure. <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna I I spend a lot of time sitting down, especially um, when I'm at work um, at an office at a desk in a chair, and I need a I need to get up off my ass. I can't let this this gut just like get out of control. So I'm gonna definitely try getting some exercises in and see what happens. See if they can uh, gamify uh, exercising um, and and getting those gains. Um, I've seen the image of how like the, the the villain looks like, and he's like all super swollen you know, all about the gains and stuff. So I think it's very interesting that you're, when you're gaining XP, you're literally gaining in real life. So I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to just play the game because of the update. You know, I think I, I'm not a bandwagon like that. I've just been wanting to play the game in general, uh, just for my mm -hmm. personal health. And I think that uh, Ring Fit Adventure is kind of like the perfect quarantine gaming that you can possibly uh, put out there. I don't know. What do you think? No, that makes that makes sense. It's actually kind of funny you say that because I didn't necessarily have that on my list, but I was I was actually playing Just Dance with uh, my fiance about a week ago, and it kind of came out of the quarantine situation too because I've been working from home for a bit now, and I I, I and and she has to, and I I handle it pretty decently where I I'm able to stay at home for long periods of time as long as and I go I'll go out to uh, walk my dog basically a few times a day, and so she and. And for the most part, that's that's as much uh, sunlight and exercise I need to stay roughly sane. But but there was a day where I was not feeling particularly well, which is something that can happen. And you know, when you, when you stay too much at home and, and your schedule kind of gets broken and your routine is all messed up, and it, it kind of messes with your both like the sort of like your physical um, health and well being as well as like your mental well being as well. Uh, and so we we just really needed to go and like do some kind of exercising. Um, and so we decided to go in, like we played like just dance for like an hour or so. Um, and it was pretty fun. So kind of in a similar way, I think it was like a good way to exercise while being inside the house. And I, I haven't played ring fit adventure. I don't own it, but I definitely think it seems like a really cool game. I love how they've, I feel like they've gamified, uh, exercising in a way that, that, that it should be gamified. Cause like we fit was fun, but, but we fit still very much felt like, um, like a workout session just put inside a game versus ring adventure looks more like a game that happens to have um exercising in it does that make any sense yeah like because it's an rpg whereas we fit yeah. it's not an rpg um and there's like progression and all that kind of stuff but one of the things i will say and, and i want to give credit to we fit is i actually own we fit you um and i actually did uh, by the pedometer and everything for it. Like I was, I was super gung ho about, you know, exercising and using the Wii Fit. And I think I did it for like a good, I don't know, three, four months, maybe more, uh, but it was a good solid run. Um, the very first time I played Wii Fit U, um, I, it actually kicked my ass. I was sore <laughs> the next day. Like, and I'm like, and I'm talking like, you know how like you, when you, when you go to the gym and you like, you do arms day for the first time ever. And then you like T-Rex and you cannot extend your arm fully straight or you can't lift mm -hmm. your arms above your above your head like yeah. that was the level of pain i was feeling the next day and that was strictly from playing we fit you um so i don't know they i think they did their job and if i had kept at it i'm pretty sure i would have i would still be like looking hella, hella slim but um i don't think i think that i think the product's going to work and i'm uh, i will give you my review impressions next week uh in time for next week's episode that's that's for damn sure Cool. I uh, look forward to hearing it. And and as far as like quarantine quarantine gaming goes, I, I think that 
it's also an interesting time as people are having like more free time and more time at home than typical. I think this is a good opportunity to maybe dive into that kind of game that perhaps you wouldn't have um, dip, you wouldn't have dove into in the past because of the time commitment aspect of it. Um, especially for people like us, I know that a lot of times um, you especially will say that you know you played a game for two hours or five hours or four hours, but then you fell out of it because you ran out of time or you went to play something else instead. Um, and that happens with me a lot too. Uh, and one of the games that that has happened with was actually Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, I got it uh, shortly after it came out, I think, and uh, I played it for a few hours, but it, it looked like a big like time sink, and I didn't have a lot of time at the time, and, and so I kind of fell out of it and then ended up playing something else later. But I've, I've been debating on getting back into it, and now that I see um, Last of Us 2, which was the game that I was most looking forward to this year, being delayed, and God knows when that's going to come out now, and there not being a lot of new stuff that I'm excited about and with the quarantine situation, it just kind of seems like a really good moment to dive back into something like Red Dead 2 and actually try to play through the whole thing. Because um, I could see myself just, you know, playing that game for five to ten hours a week for the next month or two or however long this quarantine lasts. Um, so that's the one that I'm thinking about right now. Um, now, I also have these weird, like, itches where, like, I have a huge backlog and I have these games that I really want to play through, but then sometimes I'll just randomly go and replay something I already played before. Um, and I've been having this weird itch to replay the Batman games as well. And I think those just like, I don't know, like the, perhaps it's like the atmosphere of them. I just feel like they really fit these times for some reason. <laughs> it's all dark and um, gothic and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so I think that's probably a good one as well. And I think generally it's also a good time for people to go and play some online games too. Cause um that was gonna be my next topic on that one yeah yeah go ahead no i was gonna say like as far as like um when it comes to like the social distancing distancing aspect of things people like crave to you know connect with people and i think that uh, online games are are like a godsend especially when you can chat with people so like um like for instance uh my nephew and i we've been playing a lot of Fortnite. um even Mm -hmm. even like even today he wanted to play Fortnite with me and i'm like no i got a podcast (laughs) But uh, so uh, he, we, we've been playing Fortnite and we've been getting dubs and it's it's uh, nice to have a mic and being able to play um, online and especially all my friends uh, since I can't have them over and we can't game, uh, we've been playing a lot of Smash online uh, with each other instead. So we just it's easy to create a lobby. You can we got our friends codes. We even have one. I have one friend that doesn't even have a Switch, so we actually played uh, Wii U Smash online um, and it was kind of funny. Um, but yeah, like it's just anything that anything that like. Um, uh, that you can just use, like, if you don't have, like, a mic, you can use, like, Discord or, like, text each other kind of thing. It's very very yeah. easy. I've been doing that with, like, Smash because, you know, you can't really, like, talk on the mic um, with Smash. So you have basically use an app, either the Nintendo app or just Discord or or just text um, mm-hmm. in general. Um, I think that those are really good, uh, very good uh, uh, t- ways to pass the time, especially because most online games like Call of Duty or whatever, you know, there's really no end to them. You can play it for as long as you want, so... Yeah, exactly. I was thinking it might be a good time for me to get back into League of Legends a little bit now and, and see what things are like. Um, I was also thinking, I'm a big fan of the Civilization series, and I have not played Civ Six yet. And that's a game that's like, I guess the way that it works is just, it, it's kind of like playing Monopoly, maybe, where it's uh, it's not that the game is infinite, but you, you got to commit, <laughs> you know, like you got to get a group together and commit like a huge amount of hours to it um, to, to actually like play through a full game if you're playing online or if you're playing by yourself, then it, it you can just stay in the same match for 
basically for a really long time uh so it also kind of fits within this kind of like quarantine situation like i i think that it's just a really good time to go and play online games with other people play with people that maybe you've kind of fallen out of or have not been um able to get in touch with anymore either because of the virus or other reasons it might be a good uh way to reconnect with online games and just in general these games that you've put off forever because either you didn't have time or you were kind of avoiding them because you had other things to do instead now you know you kind of have no excuse yeah. <laughs> um that makes it sound like playing games is a job which is not it should be all about the fun but i'm just saying like for myself i really like the idea of having that extra time to dive into these longer games that i would normally find overwhelming at first i have uh four games that i want to spotlight specifically um as far mm -hmm. as my back catalog i have a I have a backlog that just goes forever. Like if I had a scroll, like it would just, I would just kind of like throw it on the floor and it would continue rolling and rolling and rolling all the way out the room. <laughs> so I'm not going to bore you with those, but I, there's just four games and two, my, my two in, in particular that I really want to spotlight here. Um, these two games, I'm going to be committed to at least finishing here pretty soon. And it's pretty obvious that I'm going to finish Ori 2. Like that's, mm -hmm. that's the number one on the priority. Um, so uh, probably I want I wanted to have a beat like a long time ago, but I'm probably gonna have a beat by next week. Hopefully, fingers crossed on that one. Uh, the other thing I want to go back to, and this is something I played in November, but I want to go back and finish is I want to finish uh, Star Wars uh, Jedi Fallen Order. So mm. that was the game that I stopped playing, um, and I just I want to I want to see it through, and I really think it was a good game, and it really does I think it deserved my time. So um, I really I, I just don't even know why I stopped playing it to tell you the truth. I just yeah, it just happens a lot. Um, yeah, I understand completely, actually. And so the uh, the other two games, and these are like this is more like wishful thinking, and I don't know how um, you know if time you know goes on, like how long this is gonna last. But um, the other two games that I really that I started and I want to finish is uh, I, I started and played like the tutorial of of Doom, of Doom 2016. So mm -hmm. I want to see that through because it looks like a like an awesome game. And I also want to finish uh, Spider Man PS4. So I really genuinely want to see that one through because I played a good chunk of it. So, yeah. Dude, you should totally play Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> That's one. I mean, as you know, we, we've talked about it. That that made it into our top 20 of the decade list. Yeah. I, I freaking love that game. And God of War is great. I mean, I love God of War. But I hate that they came out of the same year. <laughs> yeah, like Just, I said, I, I beat, I played and beat God of War to completion because I saw that one through. Mm -hmm. But I didn't see it through to for, for PS4 uh, for Spider Man. Um, not, but not, and that's not to take anything away from it. I mean, I played and beat Spider Man Two on the PS2 way back in the day, and um, mm -hmm. you know that game, uh, uh, Spider Man PS4, really takes me back to those days, and I. I um, I, I really don't have really any excuses other than to say that it just kind of fell off. And um, and I think in that order, like in the order of my, my priorities, it's going to be Ori. Uh, then it's going to be, um, oh my God, what was my second game? I forgot. I'm, I mean, Star Wars. Yeah, Star Wars. Okay, so Ori, Star Wars, then Spider-Man, and then um, Doom, and then everything else is going to be that priority Yeah, list. I think that makes sense. I think that's probably a good a good plan. But I also know that you're probably just gonna split, just gonna play Smash because you're a freaking psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we'll, we'll we'll see where we'll see where that's those aren't mutually exclusive. All right. Uh, anything anything last you want to finish out with quarantine gaming because I know we kind of went on a lot. Uh, no, I uh, I just know that a lot of people are playing Animal Crossing right now. So, oh yeah, uh, that's all. Oh, yeah, good for yeah. you guys. <laughs> that's right. Yes, it's a time sink, dude. That was all, I saw an article where somebody was like recreated a link to the past uh, by terraforming their island to look like. 
Yes, I, I've, I keep seeing some of those things pop up too. It's, it's, crazy. it's funny, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, hey, Animal Crossing, that, that's a game you can sink hundreds of hours into. And um, and it's also, like, I, my coworker, um, uh, when she was when we were working in the office, uh, she never brought her Switch to work. But because of Animal Crossing, she brought her Switch to work, and she was playing it during her breaks and lunches <laughs> every time she had a chance. So she's addicted to it. And, um, you know, yeah, so there you go. Uh, so let's go, let's go ahead and move on. And this is uh, I know we're running along on uh, on the show, but I'm gonna I'm not gonna harp on too long on this 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 uh, segment. It's called sharing the love, and this is the uh, the top the the segment where we talk about a game, and it's what we love about it. Some we give some stories, some anecdotes, and uh, we basically just kind of uh, just uh, give the game uh, some attention. And uh, let's just go ahead and move on. And I'll go ahead and say that my uh, sharing the love is going to be uh, a game that I put in at my number 10 spot for the best game of the decade. Um, it's Nintendo Land. And oh, yes. uh, we've I, I told a story and I didn't stay uh, too long on it because we, we were uh, we I was like managing the time on that on that podcast. And and it's kind of funny mm. that I'm doing here and it's already over time, but whatever. <laughs> it's okay. You can take it. Okay. Time. So uh, I only told one story uh, during that podcast and it was kind of like, not necessarily a negative story, but it definitely wasn't my, my finest hour either. It was the story where I <laughs> talked about like, I was like, everybody get the fuck out, you know, that kind of thing. And I yeah. want to give some context to it and uh, it's going to be more understandable is, is that when I was fighting against or playing against the dream team, um, whenever they, they, uh, they celebrated, they would like jump up and down and give each other a group hug and some high fives and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's kind of crazy is that they overly accept they excessive celebrate, like, you know, that you would get a penalty and the NFL for excessive celebration. Um, so yeah, they, they were bad. Like you, you might've been a bad loser, but they were bad winners. Yeah. Too. I get it. <laughs> yeah. So like, and that's one of the things that like, it's really hard to do is to play it alone. Um, uh, like, so if I were to win, I don't have anyone to high five and I don't have uh, anyone to jump up and down with, you know? So it's like, it's kind of like a hollow victory and it almost kind of robs you of the satisfaction of winning. Um, and so even, even then like those two factors of, of their excess of celebration and everything, like it really kind of like made me blow up like that. So I don't want to like necessarily take the blame off myself in that sense, but I also want to give a little bit more like context as to what led up to that. So, uh, and that's something I really didn't really give in that last story. It just made me seem like a, like a child. Um, uh, but, uh, as far as the actual stuff that the new stuff that I wanted to cover, um, as far as Nintendo land, and these are the stories that mean a lot to me is that I find it, that it was, uh, it seemed to be very fun for all ages. Like I was playing the game, uh, even back in 2012 and 2013 with my little nieces and nephews when they were like little kids, uh, my little cousins, they were so much younger and it's easy for them to wrap their head around a Wii, a Wii, uh, a Wiimote with, uh, the, the D-pad and the, the one and two buttons. And, um, I also had like a cousin that was like also much older. She's like in her like late thirties and, um, by no stretch of the imagination is she a gamer. She like she might play games on her cell phone, but beyond that, she doesn't like play games at all. She just knows who Mario is. But even she like loved Nintendo Land, and she was able to wrap her head around uh, the the controls in the game, and she just like laughed and like it was just the game just brought so much joy to everyone as I showed it. And and she, even when she comes over, she would like ask me about the game, be like, "Hey, can we play that or whatever?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure, of course." And I find it it was very 
uh, it was a very fun process being able to make Miis, uh, especially with the Wii U and its camera, and it like kind of algorithmically like creates a Mii character for you based off of your selfie. Yeah, that's true. And and so that was one of the fun things that we also had is like anytime someone played, um, I always made sure that they had a Mii created on my Wii U, so that way everyone can have their own personal avatar, especially because Nintendo Land tracked achievements on profiles. So like uh, there was an achievement for like uh, finishing the game where you started or something like that. There's all these other cool tags and I made sure to earn every single tag. Um, and the uh, other thing is like there was like when we played all these games, there was uh, an ever shifting meta, especially when it came to like I told you about like like Chase, um, how like there was some certain strategies where you want to not be on these colors because there's no place to hide or you want to... Um, you know, try to play closer towards the mid range instead of like the outer range and stuff because you can be pinched uh, easier. There's like these a little small like little things that you just kind of sort of discover on your own, and not to mention uh, one of the games is uh, the Luigi's Mansion's Ghostbuster game. Um, they never uh, this was never covered in the tutorial at all. Like the game doesn't tell you outright, but if you press the ZL and ZR buttons when you're the ghost, you be, you create an a, an EMP. You charge up an EMP that just blows out the the batteries on everyone's flashlight leaving everyone vulnerable if you if the emp were to land uh so when you're charging up the emp you are visible to everyone so uh they can just kind of like bum rush you real quick if you can't charge it fast enough and then also they can like run away out of the danger zone with an emp um i don't know if you knew about that or not i don't remember because now i mean i might i might have figured out then because there was a certain time frame where i was playing nintendo land a lot but i it didn't uh, I, I mean, I love that game. I think it's a great game. I think it's totally underrated. But it just didn't have as much staying power within me and my friends and my family as it did with you. So we played it a lot around, you know, the launch of the Wii U. Um, but then after that, I, I think we didn't really go back to it much. Uh, I think probably the last time that I really played it was must have been like 2014 um, or maybe even earlier. So I just don't remember. I could have I could have found it at the time. Um, but yeah, there's something kind of neat about... It feels very Nintendo where they have these sort of little details and little secrets uh, in their games. And you can trace it back all the way back to, you know, Super Mario Brothers, um, you know, even the the first one. And, yeah. Uh, Super Mario Brothers 3 and World especially. And it, it just it's just something that kind of makes its way into a lot of their internally developed, you know, Nintendo EAD products to this day, which is just kind of these little nuanced uh, little surprises. You know what yeah. I mean? And one of the things that I wanted to uh, to mention about Luigi's Mansion is that the I uh, when I first played the game, I thought that the game was unbalanced, and I thought that the ghost was gonna was basically broken and would always win 100% of the time, especially early on. Um, I would play with my food, and the only reason why I would ever lose as the ghost is because I let myself lose. Um, uh, I, don't, I don't know if uh, that was ever the case for you guys, but basically I would just kind of throw the game just to make it seem like it was a balanced game. But in my opinion, I always felt like the ghost was was always going to win. And um, mm. But uh, over time, as we kept on playing the game, it got to the point where it was hard to win even as the ghost because strategies were formed and teamwork was established. And when, when four players are working together in a coordinated attack, they can actually trap the ghost in, in certain pockets. Mm. And I think that that was very interesting. And it's always like... Um, you know, map selection, it, it, it became a metagame where it's like, okay, well, I can't, I can't take them to this map, so I got to go to the here instead. And it just kind of, it kind of like kind of steamrolls, especially when you want to pick a, like a cheating ass map where like you would get false positives in certain stages. Um, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but uh, they're like, the... yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. I, I think it's like, and, and it's interesting like with, with the balance, I, I think it's a little bit of the magic of asymmetric games in general, which is, 
whenever you have a game where it's like one person plays as a relatively stronger character against a group of two or three or four or five other people, um, typically if the as long as the people that are playing on the other side are new to the game and or do not know how to coordinate, the person who's playing the monster, in quotes, will always win. But the magic of the game is when the people on the other side have played enough and learned the kinks of the game enough to where they are able to communicate and create a strategy together and actually know what they're doing, then the game gets balanced. Yeah, um, true. That, that was my experience with all of these games, uh, with uh, Mario Chase as well as the... Animal Crossing one and the Luigi's Mansion. True, yeah, and this is uh, and this is where I wanted to close out on. Um, so my friend, uh, uh, I called him out on excessive celebration once, and he was like, "No, that's not true, man. You fool of it. You're just you're just you're just a sore loser." And we ended up doing a let's play on my YouTube channel, YouTube.com/slash/MusicWithMenchaka. <laughs> uh, so I did a let's play of Nintendo Land, and we played Chase specifically um, on the, uh, and he was part of the, the dream team. I was facing off against the dream team. And um, he was like, "No, nah, man, you're 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 just you're just like uh, you're just a sore loser, blah blah. That's not true." And then um, I was still editing the let's play, and I was at the editing bay in my in my room in my uh, in my house, and I was showing him the playback. And then he there he was going like, "Ah, oh, yeah, <laughs> like you know, like the high pitched like uh, excessive celebration thing." And then I paused it. And then I turned back around and looked at him with like a like a certain stare, like a mom, like a mother's, <laughs> like caught caught you with a cookie jar stare. And then he just started like busted out laughing and like like that nervous laugh when you agree or something like that. And it was so it was one of the most satisfying things when I was like, I got you on tape, you know that kind of thing. Um, and the same person, and this is where I'll end here, and this is uh, the last story. Is he? We were playing. I was playing against like I think three of the members of the dream team. Or I don't know. Maybe my whole dream team, but it was January. Um, just this year, this past January, everyone was over. We were playing uh, Nintendo Land for old time's sake, and uh, we played Animal Crossing. And it's basically like uh, Mario Chase, but instead the person who's who's uh, it's the other way around, where I'm chasing the dream team. And it's so much satisfying because uh, yeah, they were um, again the meta shifting and everything. Like they they had a they weren't used to it again, and they had to get their bearings. And after the first couple of games, it was just like easy wins for me. But then they started learning the game and. And then they started uh, coordinating and started making like tactics and stuff. And uh, the person that I'm talking about, he was uh, calling out everyone and talking like t- talking noise, being like, "Y'all, y'all guys are getting caught, man. I haven't been caught since ever since I started, ever, ever since I figured out this game. So like, I've not been caught in like how many games? You guys suck, man. Get your act together, that kind of stuff." And the very, very mm-hmm. last game that we played, all right, we were we all agreed it's gonna be the last one. He, I I caught him on the last to to end the game. And everyone, the room got so quiet, and I literally saw every head turn to look, and all the eyes intersected at his at his face. It was like the most, <laughs> like really like the most funniest thing ever, where like the whole room went quiet, and then and then he first he blurts out, "Yeah, man, yeah." Like I forgot what he blurted out, but he says he said something about like just trying to defend himself right then and there, and then like everyone just started busting out <laughs> laughing, and it was just one of those funniest memories and stuff that I would just. I really wanted to hit home that Nintendo Land is can create those kind of like fun memories and good times. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it is a very special game, and and I do wish that um, perhaps if the Wii U had been a more a uh, accessible console to the more casual consumer, then maybe it would have blown up like a Wii Sports did. But perhaps if they did their marketing a little bit better too, it it is a shame. It. It's also a shame that it's not a game that we can see on the Switch, True. I think. Oh my god, imagine a Switch port where like it comes with two cartridges or something like that. I don't know, where it's like a receiving end and a, yeah. yeah, or something. I don't know, but that's, that seems very interesting. Where 
you might be onto something though because that's what you would have to do actually. like a download and play kind of thing or something yeah Anyway. All right. Um, so it is time to end. So thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Ready Press Play. Remember, remember, you can reach the podcast at uh, readypressplay at gmail.com or at readypressplay on Twitter. So I'm on Twitter at chakalaka88. Daniel? At chakalaka88. <laughs> Wait for <laughs> Yeah, at the Daniel. Uh, I, yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, don't forget uh, to subscribe. Uh, give us a review and tell us, tell your friends about the show and all that good stuff. So today... We're wrapping up with uh, the Wind Waker title theme remix by DJ Joe slash Zenpaku. Uh, so check out the show notes for a link to the full description. And if you're interested, um, thank you very much for making us a part of your week and see you next time. Yeah, thank you so much. Bye-bye.